three, two, one. Dubcast number six. <laughs> From Adonai Studios here in Wrightsville Beach, this is the Dubcast. What is up, everybody? How we doing out there? It's Tuesday, November 20th. It's a powerful morning here in Wrightsville Beach. Hope everybody is doing great. I'm Siwa shouting out to you from the South End. Give me a big ups in unity. Hope you're feeling good out there. We had a wonderful weekend. Last week was amazing. With some incredible surf. And then an awesome weekend up in Emerald Isle. Doing a little benefit with the Surfrider Foundation and jamming at the E-Club, one of my favorite places of all time. And we had a packed house, and everybody came and got down, and it was an incredible time. So big thanks to all the friends at the E-Club for coming out and jamming with us. We got to break out some new tunes. Kirby was on fire. We had Brother Patrick on the drums. And... uh all the good friends showed up. My brother Mike from the Surf Rider Foundation put together a wonderful little benefit with the Cape Carteret and Onslow County chapters of the Surf Rider Foundation. And they're working with the uh, Moorhead City Marine Aquarium and all the people up and down the coast to help with the cleanup after the big storms. So big thanks to everybody in the Surf Rider Foundation and everybody at the E-Club, my brother Matt, who has taken over the helm at the E-Club, and it is just rolling strong. Even into the winter, we had an awesome show. All the good friends came out and got wild. Everybody was bouncing. Did a beautiful, fun set. Had a happy birthday for our friend Cody, and everyone came out. So big ups and big love to all the friends up there in the Crystal Coast. We'll be back up there in Moorhead City on December 1st to play at Off The Hook. Don't miss it. So, big thanks to everybody out there. One love and unity from the dub. Oh yeah, big ups and unity. Hope everybody's doing very good on this powerful morning. We got a wonderful show planned for you today. I'm interviewing my best friend of all time in many years, original Sila Dub Rock Master, and frontman of his own band, the Burt Ray Blues, Mr. Burt Ray, on the show today, yes I, yes I, hope everybody's feeling good, this is Dubcast number six. Thank you guys for tuning in. The Dubcast is my podcast where I interview all my good friends involved in the Surf Roots community, all the musicians, philosophers, high-minded thinkers, 
surfers and skaters, athletes, everybody involved in the health and fitness world. This is the Dubcast. Big up. This is the Dubcast. Boom! La la da da, pull it all day. One love it, bounce and day. Hope you have a iry day. You're feeling, feeling good. I'm feeling good. Boom! Alright, let's get into the schedule coming up. Sila Dub is on the move. We're back in action. This weekend, for the Thanksgiving Big Ups, we'll be on the island here in Wrightsville Beach. It's a special show. Friday night, November 23rd, at Banks Channel, we got the full band and a special guest, I hear there'll be Kirby and Beats on the menu being served up at 9pm, Brother Heater on the drums, it's gonna be a massive attack, high vibrations from the dub, Wrightsel Beach, Friday night. November 23rd, Banks Channel. And don't miss it, Tuesday night we'll be downtown at Pravda, bigging up the dance hall fashion. It'll be an early 7 p.m. show for all those people who gotta work early. Come in and have a cocktail, jam with us and dance around. Sounds like all the friends are coming out. It's gonna be a fun night because everyone is ready to feel all right in downtown Wilmington at Pravda. 7 p.m. Tuesday night, November 27th. Don't miss it, the dub is on the move. And next month, December 1st, we'll be back in Moorhead City at our favorite spot of all time at Off the Hook. See that dub at Off the Hook, December 1st, 10 p.m. Don't miss it, the dub is on the move. Check out all the information at cloudub.com or here on the Cloudub fan page. Big ups in unity from the dub. Check it, check it, check it. Here at the Dubcast, we're all about bigging up the surf roots in the low country region. We got so many awesome bands. This week at the JM's Jump Up, don't miss DHIM. If you get a chance, check them out on Spotify. All the different awesome groups in the area like Signal Fire, Elephant Convoy. 
the Give Thanks Band, Michael Akins, Ross Bongi, Super Reggae Man, Manja, all the awesome bands in the area. Check it out. Low Country Star Fruits. Big ups in Unity. For more information, check it out on the CLR Dub fan page where we'll be bringing you all the upcoming events in the Low Country. That's the CLR Dub fan page on Facebook. One Love and Unity from the Dub. Props to one of my favorites of all time. John Brown's body. JBB. Everyone loves him so much. Back in the day, when we were starting out in the 90s, there was just a few bands up and down the coast. Jamming it up, Awareness Art Ensemble, Ja Works, One Tribe, Ross Bongi, Sila Dub coming out of the mountains. And at one point I played this festival high up in the mountains somewhere in Virginia. Late at night, JBB came out on stage with their full band and their horn section and everything blew the crowd away. From then on, I always had mad respect. The greatest reggae bands I've ever seen. If you ever get a chance, check out John Brown's Body. Some amazing music out there. Let's get into the surf report. Oh, we've had some incredible surf down here in the south end since all the hurricanes have blown through. The sandbars have been nice on the outside. It's been holding some deep water swell, and it has been an incredible time on the south end. What a blessing we've had after the big storms. Last week was the most phenomenal week I've seen in so many, many months. Tuesday was the appetizer for Thursday's giant overhead power surf. It was super glassy both days, Tuesday and Thursday. Tuesday was head high and barreling, A-frames. Then Thursday, we had an overnight storm on Wednesday and blew northeast into Thursday morning. And then it, the wind died down and went offshore. And we had an incredible session on the south end all day Thursday. Giant overhead surf. I got to hang out with some of my friends who've surfed all over the world, so it was easy to drop in after them into some deep barrels. And all the friends out there were just ripping it up because they're used to surfing mush and junk. It was a super party day on the south end. 
Glassy and Berylin and A-Framing, and we all had an incredible time. Big ups in Unity. All right, let's get to the surf report here. Brought to you by Carl Heavily Surfboards. Check it out. Swell info. This is the Thanksgiving week, and we're going to be giving thanks and praises. Have nice waist high swell all week long. Some low winds until Thursday. And it gets a little stormy and bumps up to head high. Hopefully on Friday we'll get a little reward after the Thanksgiving dinner. And on the back side, should be having some nice chest to head high surf. I'm hoping the winds will die down. And Friday might be golden and giant. So look forward to that. Big ups in unity from the dub. Out here on the south end. All right, stick around. We got an awesome show coming up. We got one of my best friends of life, an awesome musician, artist. Mr. Burt Ray is coming up, so stick around. It's a super fun interview. He talks about his band, Burt Ray Blues, and all the years playing with Selah Dub when he played with us. We started Selah together in the old days, back in the 90s, up in Boone. And we also had a band called Sloppy Joe, so we talked about the old days, old days, back in the 80s. So you gotta check out the fun interview with Mr. Burt Ray coming up. Big up Unity from the Dub, stick around. The Dubcast is brought to you by JM's Market in Surf City. Stop in at JM's for all your seafood needs. Fresh fish, awesome oysters and shellfish, shrimp, all kinds of seafood. Straight out of the Crystal Coast and up and down the Eastern Seaboard. Check it out at JM's Seafood Market. And don't miss late at night, JM's Pub. JM supports all the local music up and down the East Coast. Every Wednesday night, it's reggae night at JM's. JM's Jump Up, don't miss it. This week at JM's, it'll be DHIM starting at 7 o'clock. Live music five days a week at JM's, don't miss it. Also want to give big ups to Carl Heavily Surf for supplying us with awesome surfboards, keeping us with some killer, killer surf under our feet. He makes handcrafted surfboards up there in Emerald Isle, everything from longboards to little wave skates and everything in between. Check him out at carlheavilyshapes.com. I want to give big ups also to Off The Hook in Moorhead City. We'll be there on December 1st. Fresh food, 
awesome vibrations and irritations. Check it out at Off The Hook. One love and unity from the dub. Stick around, Burt Ray is next. Yo! What's up, Bert Ray? How you doing tonight? Oh, man, I'm doing good. I'm just kicking a little bit of rice and vegetables and ate a little tiny piece of dark chocolate because you know how hard it is for us vegans to get a little sweet snack. <laughs> I hear ya. So what's been new with Bert Ray on the on the home front over there? Well, man, today was a day of uh, beautiful blue skies. Got a little sun on my face while I raked leaves, because that's what you got to do when you got a when you got a place that's chill under a few oak trees. How was your show uh, yesterday at the uh, Repo Records? Man, I had a great time. It was really cool, you know, because I started shopping at Repo Records all the way back in '88. It was kind of like my graduation from the record exchange, which I could walk to from my house and buy like dollar records and stuff like that. And Repo, you know, it always had the killer underground music. And so whenever I go back there and and uh, buy records or even play a show like we did last night, it's just so nostalgic. It's been in a lot of different buildings in the neighborhood, but it's in a cool place down there on Commonwealth. And the new album's called Hometown Hostage. And so it was really cool to have like this hometown record store that we could play a show in. And Jimmy Parker that runs it, really cool guy. We had a lot of friends, family. We even had some young sprouts. There were some kids checking out the blues. And uh, we, re we really tore it up. We played a real high-energy set. And um, you get to hang your set list on the wall when you're done. So it was really groovy. And um, we got the word out about our album. Had an album release show not too long ago at Crown Station. And sort of finishing out our fall shows here. So we've been really cooking it up. I hear you. And Jimmy over at Repo Records, now he's the one that originally started it? Yes, he, he's always owned Repo Records. And uh, he's always had a retail business. He went from like the first shop on Central Avenue over there near all the Chinese and Vietnamese restaurants like Dim Sum. And then he moved over a little bit further down to Morningside. And uh, yeah, he had a really that. groovy place there. And then he even had a place across the street from there called Repo Cheapo, where he yeah. sold like 50 cent records. Then he got doing so well, he had a place way out there on South Boulevard. But then when the Napster thing happened, I think it got harder and harder. And eventually he consolidated it all out in South Boulevard. And then it seemed like he kind of disappeared for a little while, but he had an online store. And, uh, you know, I'm sure he sells a lot of records online too, but he opened up a shop a while back and uh, a few years ago in Com on Commonwealth, and it's been groovy. It's just like the old Repo record. How cool is that? Yeah, That's man. a trip. I remember that back in the days of Sloppy Joe. There was Repo Records and then Milestone Records. and Yeah, and there was the record exchange. That reminded me of uh, we did the Milestone Records when we first started our band Sloppy Joe in high school, and we played in the little independent record store. I, I don't, it's vague memories, but was that like our first show or something? No, it wasn't. Our so it wasn't your first gig, our first gig at uh, Repo Records, you were saying? No, it wasn't our first gig, but it was our first gig where we were able to put up flyers and get a lot of people there just to see us. And we recorded it and we made it into a cassette tape 
called Live at Milestone Records. Madge okay. goes, and then we had we had the crazy picture on there, and it said Madge goes Neo Tribal, and uh, and we sold those cassettes, man. I used to go buy those cassettes. I couldn't remember how many uh, you could get in a row. It was like ten, a little sleeve of ten of them, and you could uh, get them for like <laughs> you could get them for less than a quarter of tape, and you could record those on them and sell them for a dollar a piece. And I had a little racket going at school, and every day I'd go with ten and be like, I gotta sell them out, and uh. Hey, Believe wait a minute. Not. I got any of these royalties. No, no, no. We shared that money back then, you know. Uh, <laughs> hey, man, I split the money three ways uh, at Repo Saturday night, and I took the drummer out to dinner. And so we went and ate at Las Margaritas, and I had a big veggie burrito, no cheese. <laughs> you always have to throw that in. So you are a blues. Uh, you're you're a blues aficionado. Tell us about the style of music you do. Well, our band is pretty easy to describe in some ways, but it would still be surprising if you saw it. So what we try to do is we try to take the greasy sounds of Mississippi juke joint slide gut bucket blues <laughs> and play it with like a classic rock swagger, like you're just strutting across the arena stage. But really, the way we go about it is more primitive. So we're kind of coming at it from an alternative rock framework, not only from the do-it-yourself stuff, but maybe from the raw energy and the attitude. And so there are a lot of other artists that do this kind of thing. It's not unlike what somebody like Jack White does or the Black Keys. But I think for us, there's a distinct Charlotte thing going on here, something Southern in the sense of blue skies and kudzu and forest and like new town you know they're always tearing stuff down here in charlotte building new stuff up and so there's just like this weird resistance of urban and rural and uh it affects the way we play so we're sort of a downtown uptown out out in the country mix up mosh up of sounds well there's a definitive carolina blues sound that is probably not necessarily identified uh too well across the country because there is the Mississippi blues, there's the Delta, you know, there's the Delta blues, there's the Texas blues, there's the Chicago blues. And people don't really know necessarily so much about the Carolina blues, but there's a tradition here that's just as deep. But but we, I don't think we had the industry over those years. But I feel like that has filtered into both of our guitar playing um, deeply. Like we have a, a a distinct Carolina. I I look at it now like we didn't even mean to get it, but. We well, I'll tell you one way we got it. We met Guitar Gable. Remember yeah. back in the day, we met that this cat from Gastonia, uh, okay. North Carolina, across the river over in Belmont. We had a friend who heard he, there was a guy over there could play guitar with his thumbs, and we rolled over there one time to jam with him to see if it could uh, work and maybe invite him on stage, bring him out of retirement. He, he had all like kinds it. of... He said he was a legend. I'm not sure what he was, but I knew he could put I that kid to He <laughs> talked about he was. hanging out with the stones and everybody. He might have been. There was another guy called Guitar Gabriel from Winston-Salem who really did those things. So I always wondered, but at any rate, that cat could tune his guitar down, put that Les Paul on his lap, and played the thing with his thumbs, man. It was the weirdest yeah. thing I've, I've tried to do it since. But uh, we got a couple songs that are about Guitar Gable. Uh, we mentioned him in uh, Just Like Johnny Winter Did, but we got a song on our new record called Mr. Blues. And it says, down in the river bottom, there lived a, a man who played guitar. And it's all about him. 
And uh, well, it's, it's, it's pretty great. Influenced my guitar. That guy influenced my I know, my guitar. man. Me too. And Every I time I'm like, how he bent his notes, I'll be like, and yes. I'm, when I was just a young kid, like I learned how to bend my notes from that. Uh, you know, just watching that old cat. And he came on stage. Remember, remember one time he took, I don't see, I don't remember Sloppy Joe. I've done like 6,000 shows, you know, a lot of shows since then. But I remember one time he played with us and kind of, I, I don't totally remember the show, but what happened that night? Did he take over or something? Oh man, that night's one of my favorite nights. So yeah, we went and played with him over in Gastonia for a practice. And he was there with some young lady and a, there was a um, cooler filled with like King Cobra and champagne of beers. And we and you played in his uh, you played in his living room. I don't think I was there. Yeah, well, you, I, maybe you didn't make it, but we ran through the songs and we were all ready to play. And so we got him up on stage. We had this, oh, that's heavy, right, yeah. We had this heavy metal band open up for us at forty eight oh eight. We sold that place out. There was like you know all ages, eight hundred kids there, man. That was rock no stone. It was rock no stone. And, <laughs> I remember uh, that. Yeah. That, that girl from Rhino Stone, she braided my hair all up, like uh, Indian style. And it was really cool night. And so we got up there. And I remember I bought a bottle of, bottle of really nice Johnny Walker uh, whiskey to give him. And uh, whiskey. And we went up there to play. And we went through the two songs. And then he was like, he was like, blues on a rainy day and be flat. And we were like, what? And then... Uh, Holly Orr, who knew chords really well, she just started rolling. Mike jumped in, and my harmonica didn't fit the key at all. But I was playing with the C harmonica, so you can always find one little place you can play. And it was way up high, and so I was just making these terrible notes. But uh, we, st we stuck it out with him for about four or five songs. And then he and his grandson came back to my pad where we had this huge party because I lived next door to Rock No Stone. And it was like two rock and roll houses. And man, there was a few hundred people there, and we were in the middle of the room, and uh, he was just sitting there with everybody around him while he was telling stories. And I was like, man, this is like something you would see in the 1960s or something, you know, during the crazy folk revival. But uh, it was one of those nights that just blows your mind and changes your direction forever. Oh, I remember that. Remember that well. Those were the days, Sloppy Joe. Oh, my god, It was a crazy, so, uh... crazy band. So uh, you guys in the band, you guys got, uh, you've had a bunch of shows recently. And uh, what do you got coming up? Well, we just went through our little fall set of shows. We had three local shows and we traveled. So we started out at Smokey Joe's in September. Then in October, we went up and played in uh, Siler City. We like to play the outdoor market there. They got a nice little amphitheater built and they're really improving the art scene. They got an arts district in Siler City. Who knew? Then we rolled back to Crown Station, which is right between two light rail stations in Charlotte, and played our album release show. And people took the train to our show. It was mind-blowing. Who knew Charlotte would get so big? Played our Repo record show this weekend. And then uh, coming up, man, we're kind of hanging out until the holiday. Ray Blues at Tommy's Pub on uh, December 21st. And, man, it's always like, the closest thing we're ever going to have to going back to the day when we get our bands together and play. Cause always like total, like family reunion, baby. <laughs> back to Charlotte. I'll be stoked for that one. We always love. Yeah. We, me and you started C-Law back in the days of living up in the mountains. What year was that when we started that? That was like nine, really the probably C-Law was like 93. I was up there trying to get me a degree in school and just kind of finishing up.
and uh, you were doing some art art school, but mainly we were looking for an excuse to live up in the mountains. Yeah. And we were living up in the mountains, and uh, you had started a little sort of a reggae band, had a name that was so hard I couldn't say it. It was like Chug Malugma, meant yeah. like the highest the highest stage on Mount Everest. And uh, <laughs> I finally was like, well, man, there's no need for two guitar players, man. Every, you know, I still am playing a band with one guitar player. There's just no need for two guitar players. So I went and traded my electric guitar for a bass down there yes, at yeah. the Boone Pawn Shop and uh, came over and got you and said, come on, dude, let me play bass. And we started it up and we had a drummer real quick. And at first yeah. we had uh, a drummer, a keyboard player and a saxophone player with yeah. a bunch of old friends. And after that kind of uh, morphed, we tried a few players until we uh, really settled down uh, with these guys, uh, LP and BP from Morganton, and they helped us really get it solid and introduced us to Bollinger D, who helped us take it about as far <laughs> as we could take it while I was in the band. And I mean, it was really big deal for me. Uh, still to this day, that's some of the most constant touring and heavy playing I've ever done. I mean, we went all over the place. We went, Did you play you know, with the Wailers with us? Did we play with the Wailers? Uh, oh, yeah, man. We played all over the Carolinas, and we played out in Tennessee. But uh, that, that Whaler show was towards the end of my time. But we got to open up for the Whalers. Never played with them. And uh, down at some big club in Myrtle Beach, and, you know, they had a proper uh, proper backstage. I remember them pulling up, family man walking off that bus. And, I mean, I, we just, like – our minds fell out because, <laughs> you know, it really hadn't been that long since Bob Marley had died. You know what I mean? Yeah. It had been about about 15 years. And, I mean, the reggae thing had been our bag for a long time. And there was Family Man, and he was just totally normal, sat there and talked to us. And then after the show, I remember I was walking out, and Junior Marvin was leaning up there in his um, leather jacket with his braided hair. And he's like, hey, man, hey, man. You from that opening band? I was like, yeah. He's like, y'all were awesome. I liked it, man. I really dug that style. Who's that singer? Who's that singer? I like that singer, man. It reminds me of Bob Marley. And I was like, that's Mark Evangelist. And uh, that was the beginning of you getting to know them. I know you played with them a lot of times after that. Yeah, we got to know all those. It's a great bunch of people. We were so into Bob Marley that for me and you, like it seemed like a uh, like a hundred years away since Bob Marley had died because we didn't know really what Bob Marley was like when he was alive. And so for us, like, I remember it being like meeting his band. It was for me really weird. Like I was meeting my greatest uh, heroes. And then it was like uh, from a band that was from like another time period that never even was so far away from us, you know what I'm saying? It was just so yeah. weird. That was like the weirdest thing. And he'd walk off the bus like they would <laughs> never been anywhere. And then you saw him later with um, um, more players than that. Earl Wildlindo was uh, there when I played, but I think you met a bunch of those guys. Yeah, I really Al got Anderson to know. Yeah, I got to know Alan Jr. and um, and <clears throat> Family Man. Those are the people that I know, you know, but they're just like – they're all just really great down home people. It's funny how they remember all the little bands. That... So you got your new album, Hometown Hostage. What's what's all the what's the subject matter on home? What's that all about? Well, I'm Charlotte, North Carolina, born and bred, and one day dead. Right? You know, that's kind of <laughs> like my story. I don't know, and I think in America, 
like growing up in the 70s and 80s, you were programmed to think uh, your hometown was somewhere to get out of, somewhere to escape. And, you know, I think that may be the narrative for a lot of small towns, a lot of rural places. Uh, work alone will make you have to move. But Charlotte is just such a growing place. There's nothing to make you move from here. And so you can really hate Charlotte or be bored with Charlotte, but you can survive here and you know how to do it. And so somehow that hometown magnet locked me in. And sometimes when I get frustrated with things, I'm like, well, it's because I'm still in Charlotte. If I was somewhere else. But then the couple of times I went somewhere else, I ended up bailing back here because I can make it work. And uh, it got me thinking, well, what do people's hometowns mean to them? And the answer wasn't some easy, benign sense of, oh, this is home. And I was like, you know, hometowns are complicated. In one sense, they're places to stay. In another sense, they're places to escape or run away from. In other places, you want to graduate from your hometown to bigger and better places. There's all kinds of people, though, that get thrust back to family or thrust back out of failure. There's people that float and drift in and out. There's people who are surviving high and mighty in their hometown and people begging for money on the street, you know, but there's that thing that makes a hometown its place. And so I tried to look around town and see the faces and the stories that kind of like spoke to me about what it meant to belong to a hometown and then sing them from my perspective as if it was all me. Right. And so I'm the hometown hostage, you know, ladies and gentlemen on bass, Dave Wall on drums, Mitch Cooper. And ladies and gentlemen, I am your hometown hostage. (laughs) (laughs) That is hilarious. So let me ask you a question now. In in this uh, day and age, do you like, you know, we grew up. And we were probably the original DIYers. I mean, I can remember we get we got influenced by punk rock, and so we were making our own flyers and making our own albums and low budget, all- low budget DIY. May I add? <laughs> that's important. Nowadays, that's kind of a normal thing. Yeah. I mean, and and nowadays yeah, yeah. it's kind of it's all do it yourself, and the music business is what it is. Not really run by anybody. Real. <clears throat> There's not really a big conglomerate that's controlling it in the same way. Yeah, uh, yeah. What, in your opinion, do you think nowadays it's it's a bet the music business the state of the music business is better now, or do you think it was better back in the day before we had the um, internet and and all even before Napster? That's what I'll I, say. Before Napster, I have an answer for that, and it's not your usual answer because it has some of the same answer, but for different reasons. So yeah, music is different now because of technology, but a lot of people will tell you what. Well, yeah. So, so I was yeah, so I was saying a lot of people will tell you that uh music, you know, streaming has killed people's deliberate music listening, caused people to listen to less music. I don't buy that at all, but technology profoundly changed the way we do our DIY and can find an audience in this way. So back in the day when there wasn't any internet, there was nothing to do to satisfy your mind or explore. So people actually went out and tried things they never thought they would try out of sheer boredom and excited to find something new. You would go to a club you were scared to go to because you just had to find out. 
Well, people go to websites they're scared to go to and stuff now, you know, it's yeah. different. But the whole world, is, you know everything now. There's nothing you don't know. You can get advice and reviews on everything. And we had to explore. And I think the, the thing that happened with the Internet is not that Napster made music free. That's actually good for DIYers. It's that people quit exploring outside of their digital spaces. So you can reach people on YouTube, social media, Spotify really well. And that's exciting. I'm finding it's harder and harder to get people in the right place for a concert when you're on the like low level of uh, playing because there's, you're competing with so much. Binge watching on Netflix, blockbuster movies that make $151 million dollars. And all the great bands of the past coming through all the amphitheaters and local spots for, you know, what's now reasonable ticket prices. And there's just not that infrastructure for DIY live music. And you find yourself, as you know, uh, really hitting bars and breweries and things that aren't made for a music concert and don't really like you know what I mean, cultivate a music concert audience over time like those rock clubs back in the day. Now, you can't sit around and cry in your beer. You got to make the best about what it is. And one of the newest things I think that's kind of cool is breweries, even though I'm not a big beer drinker, are bringing people back out to socialize and things like that. And I see that as really one of the forefronts of where you can present your music live on the low-level DIY circuit you know, as it would be. Well, you know, I think that also, um, I don't think that, that necessarily the clubs, have, like people coming to see live music on all different levels has changed that much. I think people will always want to get together. It's kind of like a, a hum, human thing to get together and uh, have camaraderie, whether it's at a, whatever kind of bar it's at. I think it's turned into more of the, the, the local pubs and restaurant bars have taken over from the music venues that used to have a stage and a PA, but the people are still going out to see the music that's even local. I think that's really going on. And in my opinion, for me, it's like a lot better in a lot of opinions. Like remember the days in Boone where we would just get a bunch of flyers and have to put them on the telephone poles and hope the people at five o'clock traffic would know when our show was. <laughs> you know, that, was our, that was our Facebook. You know, so now we I'm got still, Facebook. I'm broken. I still flyer my town. I know it doesn't make any difference, but I can't stop stapling. Flyers are great, but uh, but it's just funny how that's all. Like you know, we'd be in Boone and we'd be like, okay, five o'clock traffic's coming. We got to make these flyers big <laughs> enough so when they drive by, they can see Sela. And Klondike. Be, yeah, Klondike, Sela, <laughs> 8 o'clock. <laughs> it's not, you know, and I'm still living that same life. I remember back then we didn't have our own PA. We'd have to rush over to the music shop to rent the PA, and he would front it to us. And we, we would rush over there and get that PA and bring it back to the gig and play the gig and then go pay him for the PA and we would rent the lights and all that. Well, my band, we got our own PA and we have our own <laughs> lights. But it's just like that. It's just lights, just like those old lights, just the modern version of them. And, the, uh, you know, PA, just like that. And we roll in and use our own sound usually and just do it all the same. But you can put on a great show, man. I'll tell you one thing I love is the sound of the drums without any amplification and the bass amp and the guitar amp tuned to those acoustic drums and the voice right on top, man. I've, that combo sound, I've gotten really addicted to that over the years. 
In fact, when we play big clubs and they hook it up all professional, sometimes it sounds a little overblown to me. I get like that because you get used to working your own sound and you walk into a club where they don't really know your sound and uh, then it gets, yeah, it's like it's sometimes you wish you're mixing yourself in a little club, <laughs> you know, those big stages for sure. This album you got right now, Bert, is called Hometown Hostage. And uh, you just did another album last year called uh, Gut Bucket Radio. So yep. uh, I've checked them out and everything. Just uh, let everybody know where they can uh, get your music, where they can hear it. Well, you can hear it on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Google Play, and a bunch of other moogly googly things that I've never used. Who? I mean, I don't know where you go after that, but it's apparently Spotify, on, but on Spotify. You just go to Burt Ray Blues. Is that what you're doing? Yeah, you go to Spotify, and the trick is our band name is Burt Ray Blues. And so just start, don't just go to Burt Ray. You got to type in Burt Ray Blues, and you will find both of our albums. One of them's got a big radio on the cover that actually you, Mark Evangelist, did the artwork for. It's really awesome. And then the other one has a hometown hostage with a guitar on his back looking at his hometown. Now that album cover is amazing. Who did that? That's done by an incredible artist from Knoxville, Tennessee named Tommy Smith. I asked my buddy Don De Lamont from Atlanta, Georgia. He's the leader of this band, Collins Drive. Well, yeah, we know Don because he was on our last podcast. Yeah, yeah, I know you know Don. I guess I'm always trying to tell he everybody was on who Don number is. Podcast <laughs> number six. So yeah. Yeah. So everybody knows Donnie Don. Anyways, Don De Lamont, he's a metal blogger, and I knew he knew a lot of different kind of artists because a lot of the metal bands have really phenomenal artwork. And I was like, do you know a comic book artist? And he turned me on to somebody else. He actually knew Tommy Smith, but he first turned me on to somebody else who said, no, you need to talk to Tommy Smith. And so I got in touch with him and um, we started, we talked on the phone one time and he really liked the idea. And so he got on it and he really, he worked with me to design one of the best album covers I've ever had, at least as good as Neo Tribal. And, um, it just really is iconic, you know what I mean? Neo Tribal was a Sloppy Joe album. <laughs> yeah, Neo Tribal Sloppy Joe album had a good album, album cover too. But Hometown Hostage, it's like, that's as good as any of the biggest. That looks like something from like uh, 1979, you know, uh, Capitol Records album cover or something, you know. Well, I really appreciate that. We're really proud of it. And I know Tommy liked it. And uh, he was just so gracious to work with us and uh, bless us with his talent. Yeah, so you got a lot of shows coming up. Tell everybody the date's coming up again. Well, actually, our big show right now, I'll unveil our winter tour as uh, the next few days go on and we get everything finalized. But the big date is uh, the December 21st, right? Friday night before Christmas, Tommy's All Pub, right. Charlotte Stalwart Venue, nice down and dirty dive bar. Everybody's going to have a huge time. In Charlotte, it's a big deal to have a show on the holiday when everybody that is a hometown hostage is returning to town to see all the other hometown hostages. But uh, Charlotte's growing so fast, all kinds of new people hanging out. And uh, that's one of the places to be lately. And so I'm just looking for that to be a big, yeah, big party. Anyways, I'm, like I said, I'm going to try to invite all my friends from Charlotte to come out. And I don't usually try to invite, like, you know, the old friends. But I'm going to try to invite people I grew up with and stuff for sure. Yeah. So I want you to Try to get everybody out there. We'll try to turn the party out for the holiday. 
Always Sharp. fun, man. It is always yeah. fun when you guys come to town. You're still my favorite band to dance to. Well, I think I've known you for 35 years now, so we've we've been through a lot together. And Bert Ray, you're one of my best buddies, and we all love you here. We talk about you all the time, and you're inspirational, and we always look up to you as somebody with who's got the words of wisdom when we need it. Well, so, that's uh, really funny coming from somebody who I always looked up to and tried to copy all his guitar licks. <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate I, it, bro. You're my best buddy all the time, yeah. man. Well, big love, and we will talk to you soon and dub, uh, come play a dub camp with us in the spring. Oh, uh, you well, know we'll be there. All yeah. right, man. Be all well. Right. All right. One love. Talk to you soon, Bert. Peace. Peace. All right. We made it to the end of another fun one. I'm starting to love this. I want to thank Bert Ray for the awesome interview. That was super fun. I want to thank all you people out there for supporting the Dubcast. Like I said, I'm having a great time. Big thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Don't miss the Thanksgiving party out here on the island. Friday night, November 23rd. Banks Channel. Special night with Little Miss Beats and Kirby Kirby and Heater. Come on out. Thank you guys for tuning in. Big love. Dubcast is brought to you by Carl Heavily Surf. Check them out at carlheavilyshapes.com. Everything from 10-foot longboards to 5-foot wake skates. Super powerful performance. Handcrafted surfboards in Emerald Isle. Check them out at carlheavilyshapes.com. And JM's in Surf City. JM's Market. All your seafood needs and JM's Pub supporting all the live music in the low country. Don't miss the jump up this week. DHIM Wednesday night, 7 p.m. And I want to thank everybody off the hook for supporting us and at the E Club. We love you guys. Everyone on the Crystal Coast and up and down. Big love and unity from the dub. Talk to you soon. Hope you have a powerful morning. The Dubcast is an Audemars production here in Lumina Studios, Red's Beach. Have a good day.